Hey there, my name's Oshin Lunny and this is Audio Talks presented to you by Harman. And this episode, we're going to explore the brave new world of non-fungible tokens or NFTs and see how they relate to the music industry. And I'm thrilled to be joined today by three music tech mavens who can categorically tell you WTF is an NFT. Uh, joining us is Cliff Fluey, the head of media entertainment at Lewis Silkin, the MD of Eleven Advisory and the chair of the Ivers Academy. Trust. Welcome, Cliff. Hello. And joining us is Tim Exile, the founder and CEO of Endless, the live collaborative music platform. He's also a musician, technologist, thinker, entrepreneur, and builder of digital musical instruments, collaborative music apps, and now NFTs. Welcome, Tim. Hello. And Imogen Heap, recording artist, record producer, audio engineer, founder at the Creative Passport, Mycelia for Music, Mimu Gloves, and winner of multiple Grammys, alongside awards from the Music Producers Guild, Music Week, and an Ivor Novello Award. Welcome, Imogen. Hello. <laughs> hey, hello. So let's start by hearing about your own relationship with this exciting overlap between music and technology, starting with yourself, Cliff. Well, I've been working in and around digital media and digital technology in the music realm since the mid-90s, so that's pretty much the beginning of new media. But I was introduced to the blockchain space in 2013 when I joined a HackCoin event, which was a Bitcoin hacker event, which I sponsored by giving lots of free pizza. And what I loved about it was the kind of zeal, passion, and actually the intellect of everyone that was playing in this new wonderful world of blockchain. What I also found more interesting than everything else was just how much it went back to the world of Napster with regard to how transformational that technology was for the music industry and actually how the record industry's response to Napster very much mirrored what the banks were feeling about blockchain. So I thought there's something really, really cool here. And I also bought my uh, first Bitcoin as well at that point at $300. Oh, I sold at 900. So I'll leave oh. it there at that point. <laughs> Tim, how about yourself? You've had a very interesting career in this overlap between music and tech. Talk to us a bit about uh, where you've been and where you're at now. Well, my musical journey started, uh, you know, when I was very young, four years old, playing the violin. And what I loved about the violin was it was spontaneous. It happened in real time and it was, you could be conversant with the music you made. And that's really underpinned. I, mean, I won't go um, around the trees with my music career, but it basically went through DJing, it went through producing, releasing records, and then eventually realizing that I'd lost touch with my initial motivation for stepping into being musical, which was, you know, being musical, not just sitting in a studio, sweating hours producing, you know, minutes of music. So I kind of sidestepped out of my recording career into building instruments because I wanted to improvise. I toured the world with this instrument, did lots of improvised shows. And at a certain point, I realized that I wanted to make this technology available to the rest of the world. And I wanted the, the world to be able to just play music for the sake of playing music. And the reason I'm getting really interested in NFTs now is that I think there's a a huge potential for people to really start to realize the value of their musical creativity in different ways. Because right now, there are more and more people creating music. There's about 14 million people this year in the world who will write a song. 1.2 million of those will upload songs to Spotify, and there'll be 22 million tracks uploaded to Spotify. The long and short of it is we make way more music than we consume, and I think we need different models for how to express and how to be heard in music. And I think NFTs could offer a really interesting solution to that. 
Really fascinating. We will come back to that uh, those points later. And finally, Imogen Heap, thank you so much for joining us. It's just brilliant to have you on the podcast. Um, I've been a big fan of your work for many, many years, and I've always loved the way that you always involve creative technology in everything that you do. So talk to us a bit about this passion that you have for technology and for music, the way you bring it together. And, you know, ha- have you any kind of observations on the world of blockchain as it relates to music as well? Yeah, hello. I'm very excited to be here talking about it all. Um, I I started out at the piano from a young age and then learned a few more instruments just because they got me out of lessons at school and then discovered an Atari computer at the age of 12. And I think that's where my real relationship with technology, this love of a piece that could make life easier. It just made my life easier because there was no chance in hell that I would have an orchestra to hand to perform these multi-layered pieces of music. So there was something in that Atari then which just really spoke to me, even though there was a huge manual that I had to read in order to get anywhere with it. And then every time a piece of technology that I've wanted to develop or get kind of stuck in with, it was around that really, how to make my life simpler, easier, less admin, less setup, less weight, less cost. Something about humanizing the technology has always been fundamental. So, yeah, I've partnered with the cucumbers, I was going to say. Computers, <laughs> I'm actually thinking about my child's snack that I'm about to be dealing with in about half an hour. Um, so, <laughs> computers, um, and I always got along famously-ish. But this exciting space of the NFT space, or the blockchain space, really, I was a bit later than Cliff coming into this. In 2015, mm. I heard about blockchain my friend Zoe Keating, uh, we were kind of lamenting at the state of the industry and she'd heard of this thing called blockchain and thought that perhaps it could be part of a solution toward creating a kind of simpler layer for the industry that we could all interface with and author into the mm. details about our works. And that really got me excited and uh, started developing what's now called the Creative Passport, which is a verified identity tool for music makers to be able to be ready for that space when it does arise and hope to contribute to such a data set um, Mm. for the music industry and for the creators. So yeah, this NFT whole thing, actually, I didn't even know what an NFT was, even though five years ago, we, with a bunch of people at Hack Weekend that I put together, just to explore what blockchain technology could do for music, we ended up, one of the hacks was to get the first piece of music on the Ethereum blockchain uh, the first piece of art that was actually ever traded or sold. And that was the beginning. And all it was, was you just downloaded a song and you paid me directly in Ether. And all of the splits for the musicians were dealt directly at source. And so they were all paid into their wallets. And I was great. You know, we raised £199 worth of Ether or something. But then a year later, that was worth quite a significant amount more. But it was hard to get it out. Anyway, so that's what's funded, initially funded, the Creative Passport, and now with our own NFT drop six, five years later, hoping to raise more money for the project. Fantastic. And this is an NFT drop that is uh, linked to the Creative Passport. Is that correct? Well, for me, I actually bumped into Tim. Uh, I'd somehow forgotten my keys to get into my flat. So I went back to my old father of my child's mic, went to go to pick up some keys from his. I was chatting to Carlotta, who's the CEO of the Creative Passport now. And I saw Tim. Um, and Tim was like, oh, Imi, Imi, oh, you know, telling me about what he's thinking to do with Endless and minting NFTs as riffs and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, that sounds so amazing. So many people have been in touch with about NFTs because some people are saying, even though it wasn't an NFT, wasn't a token involved, but a lot of people look to that 
moment five years ago that it was the kind of first of this type of thing, even though it was kind of nothing like it really, but it was that something about it's related to it. Mm. And so everyone under the sun had been asking me to do this. But there's just, you know, as you'll hear Tim talk today in the podcast, he's really brilliant. Um, And I just love the way he thinks. And, you know, I've toured with this man. I I wanted to come on tour, him to come on tour with me because I love the way that he creates music live. Mm. And he's been a massive inspiration to me. So I'm really excited that my first NFT is going to be with Tim, who's just such an incredible force. Outstanding. I love to hear that. That's just beautiful. And a nice element of serendipity about the collaboration as well. It wouldn't have happened if there hadn't been that that, that chance moment at the beginning, which uh, maybe means it's it's very much meant to be. Um, So Cliff, I'd like to come over to yourself. You wrote this brilliant article recently for Music Business Worldwide, and we will link to it in the show notes. And the title of it was something along the lines of WTF is an NFT and why should the music industry care? Um, So how would you answer that question for our listeners who are thinking, what is an NFT? Yeah, so the music industry has gone through its various sort of hype curves, as it were, when it comes to music and blockchain, mm. particularly probably about three or four years ago, when actually I always say, the thing I say about blockchain is that it's technology, not magic. So yeah. lots of people said it's going to, oh, it will replace Spotify or it will replace copyright or it will replace this, or replace <laughs> that. Um, none of that turned out to be true. Yeah. But essentially... The reason why I think the music industry should care before I expand what they are is actually the music industry was one of the first industries hit by the internet, yeah. particularly around the issues of provenance and authenticity with regard to essentially scarcity went and the element of being able to participate in the upside of further exploitation. So that for me, I think NFTs represent an element of that promise of how blockchain technologies have an opportunity to be able to capture future value, to be able to create something that's digital yet utterly scarce and give people deeper experiences for them to be able to resell or upsell in some way, shape or form and that our foundational creators get to participate in the value. So that's why I think it's so important for the music industry and why the industry should care. Mm. As to what they are, I tell you what, they're they're not again. They're not sort of pixie dust or fairy (laughs) unicorn droppings or anything like that. (laughs) Um, and its most boring element, it is essentially an element of smart code. Yeah. It's a certificate, nothing more than that. Mm-hmm. It's what that certificate gives you an access to, which is what it gets very, very interesting. Mm. So what the certificate does, it can demonstrate the history of a digital file. It can demonstrate its provenance. It gives you an opportunity to be able to set parameters as to how it and where it can be used and gives an opportunity, again, if it's sold and resold, an opportunity to level up. It's not to be confused with the thing that the token or certificate represents. Mm -hmm. And the way that people often get a bit confused is, oh, someone bought an NFT of the first tweet, but they don't own the tweet and they can't control the tweet. If you buy a beautiful piece of artwork in the physical world, you own the physical thing, you have the right to display it, but you don't own the underlying copyright. You don't own the issue in relation to be able to resell Mm -hmm. it or certainly be able to commercially exploit it in a way. And that's the way to think about it. So it's a whole new paradigm for people of a certain age. Mm. For those people of a certain age who really sort of want to decry or dismiss the element of digital value, I ask them how much money have they spent as their own children are in places like Fortnite. Or ask them how much digital currency, sorry, how many digital um, pounds they've spent in the last 18 months versus the amount of physical pounds they've spent. And actually demonstrate where 
or how that in the digital world, the most scarce thing that we have is an element of trust. And that really is what is at the heart of blockchain. It's what the heart of an NST. It's a trust machine. So you yeah. have an opportunity to be able to say it's real, who's had it, where's it going to go, and where's it going to go next? Fascinating, fascinating. And do you think <laughs> NFTs are finally the killer app for blockchain and music, or is this the beginning of you know much more interesting overlaps between blockchain and the music industry? I think that it represents a killer app, but actually mm -hmm. we're at the foothills here. At the moment, we've got some very interesting opportunities to be able to represent digital value. So everyone will have heard about what bands like Kings of Leon have done. Yeah. And essentially, the most interesting and most high value thing was a golden ticket. The NFT was essentially the digital equivalent of what Willy Wonka put in millions of <laughs> bars of chocolate. Yeah. And the owners of those golden tickets have super bragging rights, ultimate merch bundles, and front row seats to Kings of Leon headline gigs for the rest of their lives. Um, and essentially, they bought that ticket that gave them that really interesting thing. For me, where I'm very interested where NFTs go, which is the opportunity to be able to trade, to sell, and capture new kinds of digital art. And I'll hand it over to my two esteemed colleagues here who are the genuine creative geniuses I cannot wait to see the direction that NFTs go in because we're only at the foothills here. Essentially, we've got merch bundles on steroids in the music mm -hmm. industry and the opportunity to genuinely create digital art, to create something that is absolutely scalable, yet personal and unique, represents a massive opportunity for the industry. Absolutely. Brilliant point there. And um, depending on the time of day and the date that you're listening, you can go over and bid on the NFT that uh, Tim and Imogen are talking about. We're going to have a link in the show notes. What kind of capabilities and features are going to be included or are included in your NFT? What kind of things should people be looking out for there? I'd like to actually loop back to a word that you used earlier, Oshin, which was serendipity. Mm. And I, I think this this is so important, actually, that what we're noticing with all the NFTs that have become really collectible, like Jack Dorsey's first tweet, like the NBA Top Shots, like the Grimes NFT drop, or particularly big EDM stars are dropping. What makes them so valuable is actually the story and the confluence, you know, the collaborations that were behind the drop and the story that's behind the drop and the sort of momentum of the artist's career is behind the drop. What we're seeing at the moment is a mixture of these golden tickets like the Kings of Leon and really interesting projects like Flostradamus, this EDM producer who created a vape and there was some content linked to an NFT that could be unlocked by owning this vape. Oh. I mean, personally, I'm more interested in the idea of collectible, digital collectibles as ways of capturing magic, serendipity, coincidence or peak moments and particularly mm. in regard to what we're doing at endless what's magic about the way people use endless is they use it to come together to be musical in real time so people come together from all over the world to make music together in a conversational fashion you know much like we're talking now and you never know how that's going to play out in the same way that when you go to a sports match you don't know how the sports match is going to play out and that's exactly why you go there and there's something, you know, if you watch a sports match on TV, it means something to you. 
if you're in the stadium, it means a hell of a lot more to you. If you're like the partner of one of the players, then it means something totally different to you. So I think what we're going to see is the idea of, yeah, proximity, coincidence, serendipity, storytelling, legacy, genesis. These are all the words that are getting used a lot in the NFT community. So to look back with what we're doing with Imogen, together we've selected six riffs, which is our kind of short musical format that is at the heart of Endless. You know, you create riffs in these jams together and in a conversational fashion. We've picked six of those from key moments in Imogen's journey on Endless and on Endless's journey. And what we're doing around the drop is building out a whole bunch of experiences around this for people to come in contact with the story, to build a relationship with the story, a relationship with Imogen, or, you know, further their relationship with Imogen, Mm. and to pull together as many threads as possible. And that's really where, where the value is, I think, in NFTs. Indeed, indeed. And, you know, as you were talking there, I was thinking this is really a continuation of Imogen's tireless work to connect with the people who are listening to her music and to co-create these moments in many ways. Uh, Imogen, like, you know, you're joining us as we speak from something called a listening chair in your studio, (laughs) which is a a place where you interact with your fans. So, like, I'm curious how you're looking at the NFT drop with Tim and Endless uh, in terms of creating this dialogue and this ongoing discussion with your fans and you know where do you think this might lead for you or what what kind of creative vistas is this new world with blockchain opening up potentially oh it is the foothills isn't it it's very exciting and that's what entices me into being a part of this drop is that I know so little, you know, about it. It's moving so incredibly fast and I I feel like it's running away with itself without me. So I'm just kind of trying to like put stake in the ground and and hope to like grab on and uh, join in the development. Because even just at the early stages with Tim and the team discovering what we can't do yet, Mm. which, you know, just a basic thing, like such as a smart contract to divide up the payments between all the different parties that are involved. It actually seems quite hard, Um, Mm. even though that's the basic thing that we did five years ago, but you can do anything else. So yeah, on all the different, you know, platforms that you can do it on, all the different things that they do, whether it's IPFS or whether it's centralized or all these different currencies you can use. It's just... Yeah, it's such a crazy, complicated space right now. Just this messy beginning of life as these new kind of formats or expressions. So all really I'm doing at the moment with the fans at this stage is I do spend any moment, it could be in the queue waiting to get my groceries or whatever. I might be noodling around on Endless. And what it's given to me, this kind of life of the flow of creativity, not having to be just about sat in a studio, you know, when everything's quiet and you can finally get down to business. It just immediately puts creativity in your pocket that Mm. you can just at any moment just get stuck in. He makes it, Tim and the team have made it so easy to create music like that, that it's kind of sparked this, I don't know, like just excitement about music again about making music that it's it's just there it's right there it's tangible and it's it's commu- it's communal with endless so i have a little um group that we have it's called the heapsters that's what my fans call themselves um and we do convene quite a lot in this in this listening chair that i'm sitting in now actually we're working on developing my own ai together um with my fans which is you know slow process but it's quite fun so anyway they're in they're in endless and sometimes i'm in there and sometimes i'm not but the other day I just went in there and 
had a listen to what they were doing. And I thought it was amazing. And then just an idea came to mind. So I sang it in. And then, you know, that's ended up being one of these riffs. So it's really cool to be able to collaborate with your fans and through the sale of this NFT drop, hopefully bring in, you know, some unexpected cash to them. Not that it's about that for them, but it's just a, a weird, amazing thing to, to to bring into this. And because they're not, you know, some of them aren't officially musicians, they're not signed up to different collection societies or whatever, they'll just be receiving money as a part of this income that comes into the wallet, which will then split up, which they couldn't do you know, it would be a quite convoluted way to do that if it if it came into my bank account via PPL, via PRS, et cetera, et cetera. Anyway, the copyright situation here is all is complicated too, but maybe we'll get onto that later. Um, so I'm just excited about the future. And this is just my kind of humble beginnings just to really experiment because if you get stuck in early on, there's much more room for shaping how it maybe could be or should be getting stuck in yeah, getting your fingers dirty. So it's really, for me, an experiment to try to understand the space better, uh, to see where the gaps are and to see what's on the horizon. And it's already happening. I just met so many people and understand so much more. Everybody wants to create NFTs. Like I must have had a hundred emails from all different people going, can we do an NFT? Can we do an NFT? Um, and I was in a chat the other day with this, this great uh, guy about an, a completely different concept of what an NFT could. And I don't think he would mind because we were just like, it was just an idea. Maybe we'll do it. But basically reverse engineering it. So creating something with your fans, kind of keeping that integration of their involvement in it somehow in the blockchain at the early stages, and then kind of minting that, kind of selling that as one piece, but you together with your fans have created that piece of music in a much bigger way. The history of events will all be integrated. I mean, it's kind of what we want to do for the music industry. Um, in terms of payment. So perhaps there's, anyway, I'm going off on a tangent because that's what I do all the time. But I'm excited about it because there's so many things are coming together about it. And what's great about the thing with Tim is that it's the opposite of releasing a track. It's the very kind of unpolished early seed of an idea, even though it doesn't sound unpolished because the way that Endless, you know, is built and, and the, mm. the kinds of sounds and stuff you can make in it. So it's just this very like 30 second moment that was created with my fans or with Tim, there's six different ones. And I'm very excited to see what happens with them. You know, some of my bits of some vocals end up in rap tracks or hip hop tracks or cloud rap tracks or wherever they are. So it's curious to see what might happen with these tiny little moments that don't belong to songs yet. They're just passing moments that have been captured because there's something in them. It's that seed of an idea that you might create a song into, but we haven't done that yet. Oh, amazing exciting beginnings for sure. It sounds uh, very open-ended in terms of the potential and uh, I can only imagine when BTS get around to releasing a BTS Army integrated NFT, it's going to just break the internet. So I, <laughs> I, I watch this space oh with uh, exhilaration. So Cliff, coming over to your good self. Now you're obviously a you know music in, and entertainment industry lawyer. You speak a lot around the kind of naughty contractual and legal issues behind the headlines and behind the songs and artists we know and love. Um, one can only imagine that NFTs were not mentioned in a lot of recording and publishing contracts back in the day. It's very new. Does this mean that there's you know some grey areas in terms of music copyright with NFTs and how is the industry approaching this? My take on this is that a lot of people think it's an issue with copyright, but actually it's often just a 
knotty issue of sharing the spoils yeah. and understanding how you're actually going to slice a particular pie. So copyright, unfortunately, somewhat ironically in the digital world is a fairly binary thing. If you're using a work, adapting it, transforming it, exploiting it, any of the restricted acts, you have to get all of the relevant copyright holders in place. And the same is true if you're going to put it on um, vinyl as you are with regard to putting it on an NFT. But remember, the NFT is the certificate, not the sort of necessary, the file itself. Now, there are a number of people that are trying to look at fractional ownership, that are trying to do all of this. And it's as complex as actually doing it in the digital world. Really, mm -hmm. a lot of the time, and this is the bit that doesn't necessarily get addressed, is with regards to an NFT, is working with collaborators and making sure that everyone's really, really, really clear. And that's yeah. what I'm spending a lot of my time working out, which is what is a fair division of the value. Because here's an opportunity now with the NFT for it to be sold, resold and traded for there to be a continuing revenue stream. So very much like um, if Imogen were to collaborate with Tim on a track, there would be a conversation and negotiation over perhaps splitting the rights of the music publishing. Essentially how the spoils are going to be split because this asset will continue to generate monies. And the same needs to happen in the NFT space. Also, there are some very interesting things going on right now with regard to other forms of creators. So artistic creators, video creators, costumiers, all of these people who have their rights. And if they are going to be animated or incorporated in some way, shape or form, particular attention needs to be made with regard to using third party works in an NFT type campaign. So the rights mm. are simple. The commercials are difficult, but really <sighs> twas ever thus. <laughs> yes. Coming over to yourself, Tim, we heard there from Imogen that she is getting a ton of approaches uh, to get involved with NFTs. And obviously she's collaborating with yourself with Endless. But this does open up the question, should every musician be thinking of making an NFT? Or well, firstly, just to speak to Imogen's point that she had hundreds of emails about doing NFTs. So I feel very honoured and grateful that we get to do Imogen's first drop with her. Oh, of, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Should every musician be thinking about dropping an NFT? I would say that all musicians should be thinking <laughs> about <laughs> dropping an NFT. And I think thinking is the really important thing because actually what we need now I wouldn't say is necessarily more NFTs, people just like going on these, uh, let's say, clean NFT platforms where it's way cheaper to mint NFTs and just like putting something up to see how it goes. Although that is also a valid approach because you'll learn a ton about the process and also what they mean and what the value of them is, etc. But I think our duty as creators is to start really thinking about what this technology means for us. And even more specifically, what are the kind of economies around creativity that we want to build as creators, as people who create stuff and people are close to the people around us who, who support us, you know, these creative communities. And that's why I think it's really important to be thinking about this, engaging in conversations around it, engaging in conversations about, for example, the environmental impact, the technology and also, you know, looking back to things that maybe we lost, you know, aspects of the music industry that we lost when peer-to-peer -peer file sharing came in 20 years ago and thinking about the bits of the music industry that we lost that are actually valuable and how we can use this technology to bring back those roles. You know, one huge role that's disappeared 
almost completely in the last 10 years is the role of the curator. The entire music industry used to be propped up by, well, at first it was magazines and then it was blogs. And now, you know, curation happens mostly algorithmically. And only a very few publications have, have survived this. And that role of the curator was so important in keeping the communities that were around the artists that were sort of building intrigue around artists, adding to that real vibrancy mm. around creativity. I think these are the things that musicians and anybody who creates digital works or even physical works, this is the thing that these people should be thinking about. Like, you know, how can we build better economies, maybe in some cases economies that um, have never existed before, and in some cases you know, revitalizing economies that have been battered by the way technology has gone in the last 20 years. Fantastic. Yeah, that's a a really fascinating point. It sounds like NFTs is sort of opening up a Pandora's box. And, you know, as Imogen says, it's the foothills, it's the early days, but it's addressing and in some ways balancing out issues around curation, issues around uh, scarcity and trust and provenance, as Cliff was saying. Um, So, yeah, absolutely fascinating development. Um, But coming over to yourself, Imogen, I wonder, what's your take on our sudden acceptance of NFTs. You know, of course, you know, all of you are very much plugged into music tech. You're going to be the first on board with many of these things. But it seems, you know, there's folks like Mick Jagger getting on board with NFTs. It is cutting through in a way that's very significant and profound. Do you think this tells us anything about society and how people view digital assets these days? What does this mean to you? I think... It's so opposite to, you know, the streaming situation where Mm. there is this huge like Excel spreadsheet of artists, songs, just like Tim said, millions of songs uploaded every year and no real understanding of who's behind them or anything more about the song. You might, I mean, you're starting to get writer's information if you look in the song credits, but it's very, very limited. There's no story. There's no linking out to anything else. It's just what it is. And it's kind of like water in the background or breathing the air of music. Mm. We're not going any deeper. I think the magic happens when the two start to connect, that you might find something on Spotify and kind of be curious about it. And the thing that something maybe like what we're developing, the Creative Passport, linking the creator behind those pieces of works to other things that they're doing so that we become more than the sum of our parts. We become interconnected and at the end of lines of discovery rather than just a kind of non-clickable link on Spotify or whatever, that we have a journey that you can find us at the end. And that could be the journey to we are, you know, releasing an NFT drop or it could be we've got this new piece of art or this kind of the web of connection, this kind of hyper connection is what we're missing. And that when we get that, then fluidly things can go between one thing and another Right now, it feels like there's this NFT world over here, which is very separate and kind of very confusing. And for many musicians, quite scary because they don't know what it is. And quite frankly, you know, neither do I. Um, in, in many ways, there's just so much under the hood I don't understand. But, you know, just trying our best to just understand when we can. And I think it's just important for those musicians who are slightly intrigued and who do have the time and curiosity because it does take time, you know, it's taken Tim and I and a whole team of people a long time to put this together and understand what the different platforms do and what the different formats are. And, you know, it takes a long time. So each musician that does that 
we learn something and I think it's just important. That's why this podcast is great that, you know, we get to share the knowledge that we've learned and help the next artist try to think about maybe if it's time for them. But as Tim says, it's it's important to think about it. Um, mm. But for many, it's not accessible yet because it's such a big curve to get to that, such a big leap to get to that space from maybe where they are, unless they have teams of people, you know, it just seems far away. It really is at the moment a full-time job to wow. drop an NFT. It feels like, you know, I'm completely relying on Tim, who's just really taking the mantle and running with this. And I'm just kind of checking in every now and then and, you know, sticking my oar in. But, but really, you know, Tim and a whole team of people are putting this together. And it's exhausting because it's, it's a space that is unmapped. Um, and, you know, we're thinking about doing Clubhouse this and an NFT Oasis virtual gathering and this thing. And I mean, it's, so, it's really cool and exciting, um, but it is also exhausting because there is no roadmap, you know. I mean, there never is a roadmap with music. You make your luck. And at the moment, it's these two separate worlds. It feels very separate and very hard to get in there because it's new languages and new tools and, you know, you just need a new vocabulary to, to get in that space. So when they start to weave together each time an artist does do something, just to talk about it and hopefully with the technology that we're developing with Creative Passport, we can help kind of soften those those lines and bring things together to help things integrate more mm. um, so that one thing can fuel another. That sounds fantastic. The Creative Passport really has so much potential. It's a whole new world of um, interconnections and creative potential. Um, how can people get involved with that? Is that open for people to sign up anywhere? It is now, yes, beta open for action. So cool. you can go to the creative, creativepassport.net and you can sign up. Just a little note that it doesn't do that much right now. This is about being there, ready and prepared for the future, having your data organized so that we can take advantage you know, of future opportunities, make it easier for us in terms of admin and essentially make it easier for people to pay us in the future by having all of our information at hand and, and ready to be accessed. So yeah, if you're fed up with the industry and you want it to change and you want it to be easier for you as a musician, help us easier to navigate and support you, this is the place to, to go and join musicians on creating that future layer that we desperately need to help the music industry do more than the sum of its parts. Superb. Creativepassport.net. We will absolutely link to that in the show notes and I shall see you down the front. So talk to us a bit about some of the components of the NFT drop. You know, who are the different parties involved? Because it's quite a, a big collaboration. Yeah, so this drop is essentially got four kind of key collaborators in it other than the people who made the music with me. So we have Tim and Endless. We have myself and the Creative Passport. And then we have Andy, Andy Khan, who is a long-time collaborator with me for years, I don't know, more than 10 years, um, who I've worked with as a designer, who is doing the design for the drops. It's kind of in the spirit of the Endless kind of visualization, but using pictures and how he's kind of manipulated them to make this animated visual art piece to go with it. Um, so he's raising money for his amazing platform, which is called Streamliner, which is a kind of tool and app product that 3D visualizes existing artwork and enables you to 3D visualize new artwork. And it also pulls in all the credits from all of the existing artwork on the planet and puts it into a kind of discovery database. And so for the Creative Passport, that's very important to us is how we can 
you know, integrate with that service. And then the other member of our drop is Nori. So Nori is co-founded by a guy called Paul Gamble. And they have these things called NRTs, which are removal ton, a carbon removal ton. But th- there are some concerns are coming up in the press around the environmental impact of minting NFTs. How do you think this can be addressed? So, yes. I mean, the minute I announce anything that I'm doing with blockchain, I get a bunch of tweets or messages, you know, how dare you, you know, you, you know what this is doing to the environment. I, I can't think, yeah. I didn't think you would ever do this, you know, maybe not realising my history of blockchain. So, yes, of course, we extremely care about our planet and we don't want to add to the problem. Um, mm. We also don't want to stop innovation. Yeah. So we have to find a way. So I was in a clubhouse the other day, as you do, um, taking a walk around the park at 10 o'clock at night. And um, I heard this guy called Paul Gamble speak, who has this company called Nori. And essentially what they do is you buy a ton of carbon that you want to remove oh. from the atmosphere. And they do this by working with farmers in the US at the moment, but they're obviously going to roll out as far as they can. And we hope to add to that by bringing some cash in. So uh, 5% of the NFT is going to go to Nori and add to some carbon removal. (laughs) So it's a way to just exemplify. It's way more than I think the equivalent of our of a drop like this is something like a, a long haul flight or something one one person's long haul flight, but we'll we'll be far exceeding that hopefully and making it very carbon negative drop. So perhaps I'm, I mean I'm sure there must be other people doing that, you know, putting a percentage into a charity or a foundation or something that you you feel is important. So hopefully, yeah, that will be spoken about as well when we do the drop. Is um, that Nori will get some airspace on what they're doing and raise some funds and awareness and drive more people to their amazing initiative. Wonderful. A carbon negative drop. That is music to my ears. Pardon the pun, but that's just everything uh, I was hoping to hear. Uh, Tim, what say you? To touch on the environmental impact, um, you know, a lot of the discussion, I'd say particularly more the sort of European side of the discussion, I've noticed there's much more focus on the concern about the environmental impact and the environmental impact is is real. And, uh, you know, it's a big concern the way that Ethereum and Bitcoin work. They use this proof of work mechanism that basically means that computers have to solve arbitrarily difficult cryptographic problems in mm. order to get the right to mine on the networks and get Bitcoin or Ether, etc. Yeah. It all gets very complicated, but it, basically there are a ton of computers doing a ton of work that doesn't really need to be done apart from uh, verifying the sort of cryptographic truth of what's happening on these blockchains. Yeah. And this is where the environmental concern is coming from. And, you know, the impact is real. There are a lot of people working on ways to make Ethereum much more environmentally friendly. People say that um, Ethereum 2.0 is coming, what's called proof of stake, which solves this problem, is coming. That keeps on being delayed. And so I definitely understand the alarm about these platforms. There are other platforms and other blockchains. There's one that's gaining prominence already called Tezos, Mm -hmm. which is a proof of stake blockchain, which takes a fraction, like a 10,000th of the energy used to mint an NFT on Ethereum, which is awesome. So we've been experimenting a lot with this platform called Hiketnunk on Endless. 
And um, so those are definitely clean NFTs. You know, the amount of energy it takes to create an NFT on Hiket Nunk is probably less than, you know, your daily usage of Instagram or Twitter. So that really does address the carbon footprint problem. The thing is that right now, those platforms are very, very small. And all the big collectors, all the big drops, all the big artists, those are still happening on Ethereum. So for the drop we're doing with Imogen, we decided to go with an Ethereum platform because we did a calculation, really, that we think the impact of the story that we have to tell, the opportunity we have to steer the conversation in the future is worth, you know, essentially the carbon that you would take in, say, a long-haul flight. You know, before the pandemic last year, I flew to Los Angeles and back to go to a trade show. And the amount of carbon that was released in in that is embarrassingly high. And uh, I'd say that, you know, what we're trying to do with this drop will have a bigger impact than me flying to that trade show. So, you know, we, we have to take a calculation and be realistic. But I'm definitely really enthusiastic about the potential of particularly Hiket Nunk. The community that is growing up around there is incredible. And I can already see that that will, you know, in time become a much bigger focus of attention. And certainly going forward with the work that we're doing with NFTs at Endless, we're definitely going to be focusing on these kinds of technologies that really do address the, the environmental concerns. Outstanding. Outstanding. I love it. Um, <laughs> we shall have a link to Hick et Nunk in the show notes, of course. I know you did a really interesting collaboration uh, with One by One. Was that right? Yes. And in fact, so when the show goes out, we will have also done our second one, which is a live techno jam between Carl Geiger in Berlin and wow. Drum Cell in Los Angeles. We streamed it to our Twitch account. And we minted a bunch of NFTs live on stream from that jam. And those um, all went on Hiket Nunk. Fantastic. Tim, do you want to talk to us about the NFT Oasis and the VR Forest? Yes. Um, <laughs> so we've been speaking to the team at NFT Oasis, and they've literally just launched in the last couple of weeks. And it's a VR experience. And they're designing it to be a place where you can, you know, it's not just a 2D website where, that you hit a link in your browser and then you can see some media assets. The idea is they're building this platform for the exact purpose of storytelling, building meaning around NFT drops and what people are creating. So we're working with the team to create this entire experience. You can access it just on your laptop. You can also access it through a VR headset such as an Oculus Quest. And we're going to be building this room, or at least we're going to be sending them a bunch of stuff which they're going to use to build this experience out. And then we're going to be holding a bunch of events in that room. And I think if you listen to this podcast fairly soon after it comes out, you'll still have an opportunity to get there. So um, hopefully there'll be a link in the show notes somewhere to the NFT Oasis. And it's incredibly exciting because this is what people talk about as the metaverse. And there's a big overlap between the sort of NFT, crypto, blockchain community and metaverse enthusiasts. And the idea behind the metaverse is that it is this sort of parallel world that exists in parallel to quote-unquote IRL in real life. And it's a place that is persistent 
and interoperable. So let's say you can buy some digital item in one place in the metaverse, but you can take it to all the different places in the metaverse. You know, the concept's been around for quite a while now, but it's had a massive resurgence in the last few months because of this. It dovetails very nicely with what the NFT and crypto community are trying to build, you know, around the value of creative works and the experiences that support them. So it's an incredibly exciting project. I've been uh, speaking to them for a few months now, even before they launched. And I'm really interested to see where it goes, you know, in terms of what we're doing, but in terms of all the other projects that they're working with. Mm. Amazing. Watch this virtual space, as they say. It sounds like exactly. we should have a, a, an entire separate episode about the metaverse. That's a, <laughs> a literally a whole virtual can of worms opening up, which is super <laughs> exciting. Um, Cliff, so we just heard there about Imogen and Tim's carbon negative drop. We heard about the work of Nori, the clean NFTs from Hick et Nunc. And also NFTs have been used to raise money for wonderful organisations like the Music Venues Trust in the UK and Neva, our friends Neva in the US. Do you think music NFTs can be a force for good in the world? I do think they can be a force for good. I think that really what I celebrate the most is that there's a fantastic way for people to just be more creative. We tend to sort of think that musicians or composers or singer-songwriters only sit in one lane. And these are people who are fantastically creative. And what I love is that the opportunity to be able to um, do that, it's a, in that world, it's a great for good. There's also tremendous opportunity. I've seen that Mick Jagger recently worked with the Music Venues Trust, a fine charity, a music venues that have been particularly badly hit during the pandemic, yeah. which has gained a huge amount of um, for good. I think they're also a great way. I think that my good friend Benji Rogers always says that one of the issues with the music industry is that it just sells what it has to sell rather than giving fans what they <laughs> need to, to have, which is much more expansive and creative and um, and I think for that element as well is that it opens up a whole new realm of monetization for creatives along the way. So for charity, for genuine patronage, not in that sort of charity way, but actually genuinely showing appreciation and fealty to an artist and then giving people an element of scarcity and capturing the onward value. Mm -hmm. All of that, I think it's really, really good. Even with the ticketing world where so many people have views on secondary ticketing, just giving people the opportunity to be able to control and even participate in the upside, that is a good thing, in my own opinion. 100%. Those are words to live by. And, uh, you know, I couldn't be more excited for the next generation of uh, NFT drops. And uh, I'm going to be watching this space with great interest. Now, before we wrap things up, uh, I would like to invite you all as we invite all of our VIP guests to drop one of your favourite songs of the moment. Uh, you know, what do you listen to when you're exploring fluid, blockchain-powered, hyper-connected virtual worlds? Uh, what would you like to add to our title playlist, starting with your good self, Cliff? Um, only because I had the pleasure of introducing one of my colleagues to the video, got to rediscover the wonderful track Genghis Khan by Mike Snow. If you've not seen it, Google it, watch the video, go with it. And um, it just had a whole rush of adrenaline uh, showing that to, uh, to a colleague. What a great show. Thank you very much, Cliff. And over to yourself, Tim, what's your choice for our title playlist? So I'm going to go, I'm going to hark back to um, an old, oldish favourite of mine. It's springtime. I can see the blue sky outside. The buds are becoming leaves. And so my favourite soundtrack for this time of year has to be Awake by Tycho. Nice. 
What a good shout. Thank you very much, Tim. And coming over to your good self, Imogen, what track would you like to add to our title playlist? Oh, I don't know how to pronounce this. Um, <laughs> and I don't really remember how I found it. Um, to be honest, most of the time I'm listening to whatever Scout wants to listen to, which is her <laughs> audiobook of Enid Blyton. Nice. Oh my goodness. Um, but I, I came across this track. It was in a blog, I think. Somebody was mentioning this woman, was mentioning musicians, female musicians that she really liked. And I love this track and both Scout and I danced around the room to it. Um, so the track is called Don Bolo. And the group of ladies that are this band, they're called, I don't know how to pronounce it, Les Amazones d'Afrique, maybe. Wow. Um, it's really an awesome song. It's just like super kind of, I don't know, it's like tribal, futuristic. It's just brilliant. I love it. Outstanding. Three great choices there. Thank you so much. And my own addition to our title playlist this episode is going to be Premier Vague by Requa Chagrin, which is obviously a French artist who I'm quite partial to at the moment. So thank you so much for joining us on Audio Talks presented by Harmon. Thank you to Cliff Fluet. Thank you so much, guys. And to Tim Exile. Thank you very much, sir. And to Imogen Heap. Thank you. And listeners, don't forget to subscribe, comment, share, and generally get involved. We'll be back soon for some more fascinating audio talks. See you next time.